Welcome again to LexCity.tv. We're so glad you've joined us today for Summer at Lex City. No matter where you're joining us from, we're happy to have you as a part of our online church family. We're so grateful for the way that you generously give to support the ministry of our church. More information about the online giving process can be found on LexCity.info by clicking on Give Online. You can also text to give at 84321. Now let's join Pastor Brian as we continue to focus on Jesus together. Good to be back with you this morning. If you uh, follow me on social media, you know, for the last 10 days, I've been out on a solar motorcycle ride all throughout the country, did a little Yellowstone National Park, went up to Beartooth and uh, Montana, and just had a, a great time. Lots of just wind time and alone time with me and God in different ways, and it was a fantastic time. Because it was just me, I, I took some time and I did this kind of trip down memory lane, and I went back to my hometown and visited my family, went to the house that I grew up in, and first house that Tammy and I lived in when we were married, and got a chance to go back and uh, to my elementary school and visit a couple of the churches that I used to serve at, and a lot of those were great just memories and joys of things that had happened. But can I also say to you, part of the reason I went is some of those seasons were difficult. And sometimes there was some hurt in certain locations there and a sense of loss. And there were just some moments I needed just to kind of process with the Lord through different things. And, and I thought about that. And I thought about where we find ourselves even today to think about this sense of sometimes hurt and, and loss and disappointment in certain moments. You know, 2020 will be that, some hurt and, and disappointment. I, I thought especially today of, of our students, uh, families that get kids going back. This is not what you anticipated. We had college students. I had a dream of what college would look like or my senior year, and my heart goes out to some of our athletes. Like, it's, it's not going to happen, and there's no way to make that better, and there's no way to minimize that disappointment, and I thought about that as I was around at different places, even in my past on those. And, but one thing came to my, my recollection, the Lord just reminded me, listen, like, like all of these things are seasons. In that moment, it felt like I remember a few of those hurts, it, like it was never gonna go away. You ever, like this is how it's always going to stay and it's not gonna get better tomorrow. And you were just in that thing. And the great part is, the Lord reminded me, I got to do these different little stops along the way as everyone had a season and, and God taught me something in those seasons. And so I just want to encourage you today that if it just feels overwhelming and it will never change and it's just horrible and all these things, listen, it, it is a season. 30 years from now, you may go back on your motorcycle or in your car and go back and remember this day in 2020 and a little perspective. You may even have some things that God taught you through those moments, uh, but it is a season. And we're going to get through this to the point that it will be just part of our story. And so I was encouraged about that, even though at times like this, I just don't feel that way where it is. 
Another thought that came back to me as I'm rolling back my last little day, about 15 hours, uh, I was just grateful to be coming here. And I'm so grateful as I thought about my life where God has brought Tammy and I to here to Lexington in the Lex City. And so thank you for being such a joy to be your pastor. Thank you for being such a wonderful church that it was fun to come back to. And so I appreciate you on that. Well, this, so anyway, enough of my nostalgia, but I missed y'all, I guess is what I'm saying, but it was fantastic uh, and had a great time. Today, we're closing up our series, uh, and we've been dealing with the, the parables of Jesus. And I don't know what you, I've taught this before, but I have really enjoyed this season of teaching it again. And I've been reminded again of just the incredible, profound truth that Jesus taught to the masses through a simple, simple story. Today, we're going to see one of the most profound things, that Jesus is going to come today and say, listen, I didn't just come to enhance your life. I didn't just come to add something to it. I came to blow this whole thing up and do something brand new. And the great news for us today, what we're going to see is this. Listen, Jesus doesn't want to just enhance your life. He doesn't want to be just an add-on to make it better. Jesus wants to blow the whole thing up and do something brand new and fresh in your life in a new way. And so that's where we're going to look this morning on our last parable. So if you've got your Bibles, if you would, turn me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 9. If you've got your devices, you can go to lexcity.info. All the sermon notes are there. I want to say, especially for those of you that are watching at home today, together as a family, at the end of this, one of the applications we're going to be thinking about a time of remembrance and at home, you'd have the opportunity even to take communion and Lord's Supper together today as, as a family. So if that's something you want to get some elements during this time to be ready for that at the end, uh, you can do that as we go. But Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to see this morning. Matthew chapter 9, let's start at verse 16 in our final parable. And here's what Jesus says. Besides, who would patch, here's the story, old clothing with new cloth? For the new pa patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. No one who puts new wine into an old wineskins, for the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in a new wineskin so that both are preserved. Now, the power of this teaching is, is really having some sense of contextual understanding of what Jesus is talking about. His audience would understand what he means when he's talking about wineskins, because when we think about this idea of wineskins, we, we tend to think of something like this, this beautiful, well, little put together, pretty little wineskin. I had to chuckle on this because this came to our house while I was out on the road, and Tammy texted me. She's like, what is this? Are you preaching on Daniel Boone? I said, no, baby, it's, it's a wineskin, of course. I don't know anything about wineskins, but it's a wineskin. Amazon sent it to me via Prime. Now, listen, this one is so pretty and beautiful. We're like, oh, this is going to be a sweet little story. Can I remind you what wineskins looked like a little bit more in the ancient days? And so here's a picture of beautiful little wineskins. This is kind of nasty. They would kill an animal, chop the legs off, chop the things, and they would chop its head off that were there. They would skin it. Then they would take this carcass, and they would sew it together and then turn it inside out for this beautiful little picture that you have here. They would allow it to spend some time to tan the skin so that the, the freshness and the taste of the wine would remain good there. Now, here's the challenge on this beautiful little thing that I'm glad didn't come on Amazon or Tammy would have had more questions. Over a period of time, it gets dry and it gets rigid and it can become a little brittle as we go. It becomes over time rigid and inflexible. Don't forget that phrase. It becomes rigid and inflexible uh, over time. 
So when wine is put into an old wineskin, right, and over a period of time, the wine, the gases begin to ferment. It begins to press out and uh, expand, and the seams in these old wineskins would then split because the gases in the wine is causing this thing to expand, and it was rigid and inflexible. For this reason, Jesus says, contextually, you would understand this, you only put new wines, they're always placed in new wine skins. Why? Because new wine skins are still palatable, they're still flexible, they can expand as the wine ferments over a period of time. Point, Jesus says, is new requires new in order to be effective. Well, for some of you frugal folks, I love y'all, you're like, well, how about if there gets to be a split in an old wineskin, can't you just put a patch of a new food? Why well, you have to go through all this work? Just get a patch, put a patch on the, uh, the old skins. Wouldn't this work? It doesn't work because when the, the, uh, the wine expands and it begins to form, ferment and the gases expand, wherever the old uh, material is in contact with the new material and the new one expands and the old one doesn't, you, this is where the tear begins to happen. And what happens? All your wine is spilt out and the wine is of no good, and now your beautiful fermented little pig is of no value anywhere again. So this is the idea. The new must replace the old. It can never be integrated with the old, all right? Because wherever there's a difference, that's where the seams are going to split. So this is the story, all right? So Jesus' listeners don't all understand, because it's a parable, what he's trying to say, but they understand the concept. Obviously, new has to go with a noon. But the meaning of this story we're going to see in the parable is much deeper than simply don't waste good wine on old wine skins. But first, let me give you an example. For my wine connoisseurs who are out there, right, this would be like taking a $500,000 Screaming Evil Eagle Cabernet Sauvignon 1992 and putting it in a $3 Costco uh, Pacific Peak bottle. You know, it's a waste of that. I don't drink. I have no idea what that means. I read it on the internet. I was trying to impress you with my culture, but uh, that's where it is. I don't know what the goes. But here's the old idea. When you do that, it's a waste again. You waste both the wine and you waste the wineskins that are there. And Jesus says this. I'm about to do something that's so new that I don't want it to be tarnished with what is old. I don't want it to be limited with what is old. And I love that about Jesus. From his very ministry, from where he came, he, he loves new things, and he's always doing new things, and we see it again. And now we're about to experience the biggest new thing in human history. Grumble as you go. Here it is. The old wine of legalism will be replaced with the new skins of grace. Jesus is saying to his crowd, listen, I didn't come just to give you a better version of the Ten Commandments came to give you a new commandment. I, I didn't come to just enhance your life and give you a little something extra. I, I came to blow up the whole thing and give you something brand new. Now, in order to understand how the depth of what Jesus is saying, we've got to have a better understanding of the two, the two systems that are at play when Jesus is giving this parable. We have the system of the law, right? And we have the system of grace that Jesus is going to be telling us about. And these are the two things that are there. Now, the, the, the system of the law, here's the challenge of the law. The law was this performance-based mentality with you and, and God. A person was, it was conditional merits. I, I call it the if and then. The law said this, if you did this, then you would be blessed. 
if you adhere to a pre-described standard, then God would accept you. Look what it says. The Bible says this in Exodus chapter 19. Now, if, here's the if, if you will obey me and keep my covenants, if you'll do these things, then you will be my own special treasure from among all the people on earth, for all the earth belongs to me. It's if and then, the law. Follow these things, the blessings of God. Now, here's what's kind of interesting. I love when some people say, listen, Christianity, I don't th- it's just a bunch of rules. It's a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's just you have to follow all these things. And, I, and sometimes I want to chuckle and say, listen, if you think that you've got to follow a lot of do's and don'ts now, then you don't understand what the law was like back in the day. The law had 613 commandments that we had to follow. It dealt with everything from what you eat to what you wear to how many steps that you could take on the Sabbath. It dealt with all of these things. And as you think about the laws, some of them are fascinating and some are just bizarre to me. Like, let me give you a couple of them. Uh, Exodus chapter 22. A person is allowed to defend their house with lethal force if only the burglar breaks in at night. If the thief came in during the day, they're safe from death, but they'll have to pay for the crime. So if he comes at night, you can shoot him. If he comes during the day, you just got to apprehend him, and then he goes to prison. That one's interesting. Uh, Numbers chapter 5, 11 to 31. If a man suspects his wife of having an affair but had no physical proof, he would take her to the priest. The priest would sweep some dust off the tabernacle floor, mix it into a vessel of water, and make the wife drink it. If the dusty water didn't make the woman sick, then she was innocent. But if her belly swelled up with pain, then she was guilty. This is like a bad scene from Monty Python, right? Is she a witch? Is she a duck? If she's a duck, she weighs a duck, then she's, you know, made of wood, all five of you that get that. But it's kind of this bizarre kind of deal, the dust. Uh, It tells you what you can eat. You can eat locust, but you can't eat bats, because even back then we were worried about a world pandemic coming from bats, right? So you couldn't do that. Um, as Kentuckians will be thrilled and happy to know you could not eat horses, but you could eat any animal with divided hooves that chewed its cud. So cows and pigs and rabbits, you could eat those. Uh, here's one of my favorites, found in Deuteronomy chapter 25, this is amazing, 11 to 12, states this. If two men are fighting and the wife of one of them comes to rescue her husband from his assailant and she reaches out and seizes him by his private parts, or the King James says, She taketh him by his secrets. You shall cut off her hands and show her no pity. Now, I love this. Evidently, there was enough of a problem with this that when husbands in fight, that one of the wives would jump in and give the other guy the business that they said, we ought to make a law that no woman can give another man the business. We'd cut off her hand with no... It's a bizarre kind of a stuff. This is the law, highly detailed, very specific, but what it proved is it gave this idea of reminding us that this is how far we fall from God's perfect standard. This is the depravity of man, and then the law gave us a way that said, but if you'll follow these things, then Jesus will accept you in such a way. Compare to that mindset, right? Old wine. To what Jesus is now saying to this group. Say, I want to tell you about a new thing that's coming. It's called grace. It really is amazing. You'll sing a song about it someday. And and grace is this thing. It's this unmerited favor. It's undeserved. You don't receive it because you earned it. This is so different than the law. He says this is revolutionary. And it's about to take everything we think about how to relate with God. Jesus says, I want to turn this all upside down. Let, Let me just give you a comparison. Let me give you a chart here to help you out with some things. 
Here's the law, the old wineskins, grace and you. The law, it, it begins with us. We have to respond. If then, it begins with our actions. Grace, it begins with Jesus. It says he's already done, taken the action. You just need to respond to it. The, the law is merit-based. I do these things. Then, grace is mercy-based. It's not about what you've done. The law, you have to do things. Grace is you get to do things from God's love. See, this one, you have to do things for God's love. you got to earn it. You get to do things because of God's love. I love this. The law is non-relational control through rules. Grace, relational influence through love. You see the difference? The law leads us to become proud. The Pharisees, I did these things. I followed this. When I get in a fight, my wife doesn't jump in. Look how great I am. Right? It creates pride in us. Grace, what creates humility. In spite of all I know about myself, God still loves and rescues me. The law, it beats you up. But grace, it builds you up. The law, here's the key, is at the finish line if you earn it. Love is at the finish line. But grace, love is at the starting line because Jesus earned it for you. Can you see how radically different what Jesus is saying? Can you see why he says, listen, you can't put the old in with the new. You're going to mess up both of them. They are so diametrically opposed in how we understand and how we relate to God. And this truth, listen, this truth became alarming for the religious leaders of the day because, listen, it's easy to control people through guilt and legalism. I understand why it's appealing. It's a pastor. As a religious leader today, listen, I didn't have to worry, you don't have to worry about if you're going to get people to come to church because you have to come to church. You have to serve. You have to give of your tithes and your offerings. Why? That's what's required in order to gain God's love and acceptance in the context that's there. But today, Jesus says, listen, I'm going to tell you about something that's completely different and I need you to think about it in a different way. Today, we respond, not because it's required, we respond out of love for what God has done for us. I choose to come to church to worship and give God honor. Why? Out of a response of what he has done for me. I, we choose to serve one another in the family of God. Why? Out of a response to what Jesus has done for us. We choose to support and give towards the ministries of God. Why? Out of a response of what God has done for us. It's a response out of, out of love rather than obligation. Now listen, that sounds so good. And in the purest sense, that works all the time. But I love what the Apostle Paul says. Apostle Paul says, if this is really what you're saying grace is, then let me ask a really logical question if we think about it. If God loves me regardless of my performance, if I'm already saved and that isn't going to change, then can't I just live the way I want to live? This is the dangerous part of grace, right? If you're under the law, you can't just live however you want to live because the law requires that you live a certain way. Paul says, is there a lot of this kind of the freedom that comes if God's grace is covering me? Look what he says in the book of Romans. He asks this very question. Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? In other words, if I live under grace, I should just keep on sinning so there can be more grace in my life. God forbid. How shall we that are dead in sin live any longer therein? 
Paul says this. If your question is, after you understand grace that Jesus is speaking about, the new wine, if your first question is, how much now can I get away with, then you have to ask the question, have you really been saved in the first place? If my first response towards grace is, how can I move as far away from it and still be accepted, I think you're asking the wrong question. Just because you are no longer under the law doesn't mean that you are free to break the law. Paul says, if Jesus has saved you, then why would you want to live in your sins like you used to in the first place? When I was a youth pastor, a question I always would get asked during the dating series that we would do is this question, you know, how far is too far in my dating relationship, right? What's the question? How far can I get over here, right, and still be a good Christian? That's what I want to know. How far can I push this thing and still be okay with God? It's the, it's the wrong question. I understand why they ask the question, but it's the wrong question that's there. Go on a, a few years later now in senior pastor roles and a few years back, depending on what part of the country and denominations, one of the hot topics was simply this issue of this, you know, can a Christian drink? And how do we think about that? Well, that question really was the same. It was the wrong question. But I think it was a hot topic because I don't know about you, I have friends and I have Christian pastor friends who in their religious freedom and in their spiritual freedom in Christ really wanted to ask the same question as this, is how far can I push the area of this, this issue in my life? And I know for some of my pastor friends, look, it's, it's a desire, I just want to be relevant and I just want to relate to everyday people so they continue to push on this issue, the the boundaries as far as they can, and they continue to promote it even from the pulpit, and my fear is then you begin to even give license to the congregation and model something that isn't quite as healthy. So can I just say this this morning? For my leaders and influencers, just on this one topic, let me just share from my heart um, as you think about this. Listen, for me, I, I've never had a drink of alcohol, not because if I think if I had a beer it would be sin or I would lose my salvation. That's not the reason. It's just one of the areas in my life that I have seen too many of my friends and my fellow pastors take an area of grace and move into an area of sin too easily. And it's such an easy slide for so many. And for my friends and my pastor friends, listen, who have gone too far in that area of what was freedom and grace has now turned into enslavement and sin in their life, listen, it has cost them so dearly. And the hurt has been so great. It's costing their ministry and other things. And for me, that's one of my biggest fears. My, one of my biggest fears is that I would stand before you. Actually, that's not. One of the biggest fears of my life is that I would have to stand before my wife and my two sons and say, Dad blew it. Made it 30-some years okay, but I took what was once a freedom and grace and it began to enslave me and it cost me everything. See, it's that fear that has. And that moment that I picture in my mind how hard it would be to come to share that with you and how heartbreaking that would be, that moment reminds me of this, that there is nothing that tastes that good, there is nothing that looks that good, and there is nothing that feels that good that is worth the pain of that moment of disappointing the people that are closest to you. Some of you understand firsthand the power and the pain of, of those kind of moments. So listen, I, I love being your pastor, and I love being a pastor. Why? For me, one of the reasons is this. The desire of my life is that my life be a response to the grace of God in my life. 
And so there are things that I may have freedom within that I choose not to. Why? Because I just want my life to be a response to what Jesus has done for me. And the same is true with you. Your life in the marketplace, your, your life in your home is a response to the goodness of God in your life. Your daily choices that you make, your integrity decisions that you make, they give evidence to your response of understanding the grace of God in your life. Because once again, just because we're not under the law doesn't mean we should break the law. We have the freedom that's there. Look what Paul says again in chapter 6, the last part of it. He simply said this. He says, how do I think about this? Why are there things that I would, even though I have permission, would, would hold from? Why? He says this, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? In other words, why would I go back to the things that so easily entrap me? And we live today in the power to overcome the sin in our lives through Jesus in our life. He says, why would you go back? It's the beauty. But the challenge of the, here it is. The challenge of grace is this. The challenge of grace is that it puts responsibility on you. See, the law puts the responsibility on the law, just fulfill it. But grace puts the responsibility on you and I. The weight is not the law, the weight is your integrity. The weight is your response to the Lord. The weight is your love for the Lord. That's what keeps you from sinning, right? Is your desire to please your heavenly Father. So do you see why as Jesus is sharing this, it's blowing the minds of the people that he's sharing this with? This is so different from everything they've ever heard. How they understand God to say, ha, ah, ha, I have the responsibility. Oh, I have some freedom in here. Jesus is simply saying this. Listen, you cannot earn salvation and receive salvation. They don't go together. It's old skins and new skins. If you can receive it, then you can't earn it. If you're earning it, you never really received it. He says, here's the difference between the two. And as you hear that, even today, for many of us, we're going to fall into two groups as you hear the parable of the new wine and the new skin. The first group is this. For you, even though you have never lived under the law, you still struggle with this performance-based relationship with God. Could be your upbringing, could be just your personality, it could be circumstances that drive you there, and, and the challenge is this. You keep trying to put a new patch on an old skin, and you can't figure out why you're so frustrated and you feel like you're always falling short in your faith and your walk with the Lord. And when you put a new patch on an old skin, listen, you ruin both of them. And you're ruining the joy and the freedom of this new wine. You're missing out on the joy and the peace that God gives you in your salvation. Jesus came so that you don't have to no longer perform. He came so you simply respond to the love, of, out of love to who he is. For some of you, you just need to hear that today. Jesus doesn't need your performance. He just wants you to love and respond out of a love for him. The, the second group as we hear this, and this is the larger group that many of us probably fall into, and if you're in this group, you've embraced kind of this idea. It, it's, I call it just the guilt-free new wine that we have, all right? And I think this is where we probably find the church in, in North America. We've embraced the new wine and kind of a guilt-free. See, over the, let me just give you a statistic. Over the last 10 years, in our country, we've seen this over and over, different statistics that just give evidence of this. We've seen a consistent decline across every demographic in church attendance in the last 10 years. 
all the way across country denominations. Why? It, it's just not as important as it has come. Church attendance has decreased. Evangelism has decreased. Prayerlessness. Prayerlessness has become the new normal, and we're comfortable with it. Statistics show that societal problems inside the church are the same as those statistically outside of the church. And what it tells me is we've taken the, the grace of God for granted. That we've lost our, our fear, really, our, our fear of the Lord in the same way that the law <laughs> reminded us so much of. See, the law made the people ask this question, how much must I do in order to please God? And our casual grace of today makes people ask, how little can I do and still be okay? See the difference? If we're not careful, we're our mindset and our motivation. Church has lost, I, I think, the, the awe of the cost of grace that we're experiencing today. The things that Jesus is gonna share, listen, this wasn't cheap. This doesn't come without a cost. Jesus said, listen, my blood was shed so you can experience grace in your life. My, my body was broken that you might experience that today. And so the question that we should have as we remember the price that was paid for the grace we experienced, the question shouldn't be how far can I go before it's okay. I think the question should be how do I need to respond in light of what Jesus has done for me? How do my motives and my actions need to be different because of what I experience? My response is, what can I do for Jesus out of a heart of gratitude and love? If I remember, listen, if I remember what Jesus did for me on the cross and what he's about to do is he shares the story, the parable to these people in the next few seasons, moments, and days of his life, he's gonna pay that ultimate price. And when we remember that, listen, then I obey God out of a love and gratitude. I, I serve God because I choose to do that. I, I choose to obey. I choose to live righteously. I choose out of a response to come and worship God on a regular basis. I, I choose to serve his family. I choose to support the things of God and the ministries that are about. Grace reminds me, listen, it is a joyful response. It's not a burdensome obligation. And that's the reality, I think, that gives the condition and reminder of where your heart is. Do you respond to God out of a joyful appreciation? Or is it burdensome? Do you feel like an obligation? Here's what I'm just trying to impress upon us this morning. Big thought. Is that grace is an amazing gift. It's a new wine. Jesus says. It's in a new wine's gift. It's a gift, and it's such a gift that it can be misused, and it can be underappreciated, and that never changes the nature of a gift. Your response doesn't change this powerful truth that Jesus is teaching, that he's come to bring something new. He didn't come to just add more to the law or just to enhance the law. He came to bring something new. And that's the same message for you and I today. Listen, Jesus didn't come just to enhance your life and add something good to your life. He came to change your life, to start something new and afresh. So here's the question for us today is simply this. What's the condition of your wineskins? <laughs> Are you in a place to receive the goodness and the grace that Jesus wants to pour out on you. 
As we close out our, our time this morning, part of that is remembering, I think, we will treat grace less casually when we understand the price that came for the grace that Jesus provides for us. And so the Lord tells us to do that through time of remembrance, through taking the Lord's Supper. And again, if you're at home watching today and you have some elements, in just a moment we're going to close in a song. You're welcome to even take time to partake as a family there at the bottom of your notes on lexcity.info. I've put just a little script, something you can work through. For those of us that are here today, maybe this week is sometime you want to do that as individuals or family and just take time and remember through time of taking the Lord's Supper what God has done for you. And we remember that. We remember the price of the grace that's extended to us. We're far less likely to treat it so cheaply. And so listen to what Jesus said even as we think about this time of remembrance. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 11, 23 and 24. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord took some bread. And he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given to you. He says, Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. It's the covenant of grace. He says, this is the new thing that I'm sharing with you. It's going to change everything. This is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you drink and eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Today we're going to take time, and I'm just going to pray in just a moment, and we're just going to sing a final song. And those of us that are here live, we're not able to pass elements at this time, but I want you to just take a few moments of remembrance. Thank the Lord for his sacrifice that provided for you and I grace, that took the law and said, that's the old thing. I now, through a relationship with you, the power of grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for a truth I don't even think I, we fully can grasp and understand the depth of it because we didn't live in the days of the law that we tried to earn in a, by merit. And if we did this, then these, God, we've been so blessed to live in a season of grace. A relationship that started with you that was fulfilled in you, and we only have to respond. And so, Lord, even today as we remember, Lord, in these moments for some of us, it may be just a few moments of confession. God, I've taken your grace too lightly. God, for some of us in these moments, it's a time of acknowledging that, God, if I'm not careful, I fall back into this performance base and I'm trying to earn your favor and I'm trying to earn your acceptance, God, today. Help me not to keep putting a patch on an old wineskin. God, help me to receive that you're doing something new in my life. And so, Lord, during these moments, we just express our thankfulness and our gratitude. In your name, amen. What a great message. Thanks for joining us here at LexCity.tv today. Don't forget, all services are available to watch on demand at LexCity.church or on our LexCity app. You can follow us on social media at LexCity Church for daily content and photos from the week, as well as updates and upcoming events. Again, we are so glad you decided to join us today, and we'll see you next week right back here on LexCity.tv.